I'm going to go Michigan. Not in a barn burner. I think Michigan's defense is legit. I'm going Washington. I think Washington takes it. That defense is going to hold up against Michigan's offense. I'm going with it, and I believe in Penix. It's going to be fun. I can't wait to watch it. The football running right side. Austin fighting at the goal line at the one. Touchdown! All right, welcome. This is Snap to Whistle Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brooks Ellis, and I'm here with my co-host, Austin Allen. What's up, dude? What's up, man? Excited to get into it today. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. Hope the holidays were fantastic. I know. Um... I need to see you in person. I, I don't like seeing you over the over computer. It needs to be this needs to be in person deal. Need a weekly drive down or up to KC. Yeah, maybe hop on the hop on the PJ quick trip. Yeah. And I gotta work, gotta work on the uh, get these clinics going so we can get that PJ up and running. No doubt. <laughs> um, all right, so college football playoff today is January second. So. Yesterday we had the Rose Bowl with Michigan and uh, Michigan and Alabama. We had the Sugar Bowl with Washington and Texas. My, I think I think we had the same prediction. So I think we had both had Michigan both beating. Had Alabama. We both had Alabama beating Michigan. And we both had Washington beating Texas. One for two. So we were one for two. Both of us. Both are really good games. I think overall, like I am so. It was so much fun watching the Michigan Alabama. We were texting back and forth. Like yeah. it was an awesome game. Both two powerhouses, really good defenses. I think it was just it was just fun, like exciting. Like the like at first Michigan comes out and they they fumble the the uh, McCarthy throws an interception. Then they have the fump the 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 uh, fumble. An interception. He was out of bounds. Yeah, yeah, should have been an interception. He throws the interception and it gets. It gets uh, called back, so it, there was a possibility for a huge momentum shift. And then they fumble a, a punt return, give the ball back to Bama. So Bama scores first. And on, so they showed a stat at the end of the game that showed that Bama was 66 in, in O when they f- score the first touchdown. And that like, I don't know how many, I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive. Um, but but then Michigan comes out and just dominates, especially the first half. And so, just an incredible game. What do you, what were your thoughts on that uh, Michigan Alabama game? I thought it was. I think number one, as much as I probably didn't think so, the committee got it right. They had the four best teams in college football playing against each other, and the matchups were everything that college football fans across the nation would want to see. Where, I mean, both games going down, one into overtime, and the other one on the last possession, you know, last second throw that got batted down in the Washington-Texas game. I mean, it was unbelievable viewing as a college football fan. Um, Within the Michigan-Alabama game, the way Michigan came out, and it looked like it was going to be the games that Michigan played in the playoff the past two years. Just kind of shell-shocked, kind of shooting themselves in the foot, kind of getting run out of the gym. Where once Alabama took that early 7-0 lead, I go, "Uh uh-oh. Here comes the onslaught. Michigan doesn't look like they're up for the fight. They're a little bit timid. J.J. McCarthy's not playing too well. And then yeah. the way they could handle the pressure, oh. the, the spotlight was too much for them. Yeah. And then the way that they battled back, um, where their defensive line was, I think, the players of the game, where they they kept them in the game, where they didn't let Jalen Milrow kind of 
use his legs. They flustered him. They were getting after him, sacked him six times in the first half, um, and just made him uncomfortable. Um, so that defense, the way that they were able to keep him in the game in the first half, after all the miscues that they had as a team, um, really showed a lot of grit by them, number one. And then two, what kind of when that game first started, just seeing the guys that are rolling out on that field and what they look like, that is, I mean, that was, I think, the most impressive were that O-line for Alabama and Michigan, both of them, I mean, they roll out there. They're all 6'5", just freaking big old boys where you go, now this is what I remember from college football of, of yeah, they got it right. Not a lot of teams can can roll out all 22 that look look the part like that. Um but overall, I mean, that was that's everything that you want in college football. The sun setting at the Rose Bowl Stadium, overtime, fourth down and three. Oh, get it? Awesome. I mean, it's going to be an all-time classic, kind of like that Texas USC game back in the back in the day with Vince Young. Um, so I think the better team won. I really do. I think uh, Michigan's defense is the real deal, and I think their offensive line, if they can get that run game rolling like they did in the second half, they can control the ball, control the clock. Um, and that's just a really, really good football team on both sides of the ball. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah, we were talking about, um, Bama's defense, Michigan's defense too, but Bama's defense, like every single player, they just look like they were created in a, in a, in a factory, like created players. They look jacked. They look athletic. They all look like they belong on a national championship stage. And so does, so does Michigan. They're huge. They play well together. And they didn't let those mess ups like they made all those mistakes and they still fought with Alabama. They still stayed in the game and they finished strong. Like that's the sign of a really good team. Like yeah. They, they, they should have been winning by much more than the scores than the score showed. Um, but, you know, the, the mistakes happened and you know, lost Alabama, you. you know, sometimes capitalized on it. Their offense struggled there for a little bit, especially in the first half, came back and. Man, their center was having a kind of a rough day as well. Like he just he just kind of couldn't get the ball where it needed to go. How frustrating is that for a quarterback? There's some snaps that are like, okay, maybe the quarterback needs to be it's not gonna be perfect every time, but you know, you gotta get the snap right. So right? I think that does make it extremely tough on the quarterback where once as a quarterback, especially with that pass rush that Michigan had. Where you catch the ball, those ends are getting up the field. That D line's pushing the interior line back into your lap, especially in the first half. But when you have to worry about the snap as a quarterback, you want to have your eyes up, right? You want to see what the defense is doing. You want to see the leverages. You want to know, um, okay, is this throw going to be okay for me to make it? Yada yada. But once your eyes go down to that D line, the play's over, right? You can't. Your eyes can't go here to here, back to here. You're probably going to get in trouble, make poor decisions. Um, and just kind of the clock in your head speeds up. And then to add in the fact of the rush that they had, along with pre-snap having to worry about, all right, is this snap going to be at my right ankle? Is it going to be at my right shoulder? Is it going to be at my left ankle? Is it going to roll back? Your eyes are automatically going down. So Jalen Milrow has put it at a disadvantage right there where he's not able to kind of go through his progression because his eyes are taking that split second to worry about catching the snap and then being able to get his eyes up which right. that kind of threw off the rhythm and timing on maybe some of those maybe quick hitters. I mean, you saw the most most important play of the game. You know, if that snap was at his chest, he probably makes a cut to the left and scores. But since the snap was low right at his ankle, 
His head had to go down, up, and he's seen two guys coming already, so he just runs up the middle trying to make a play. So I think yeah. that was a deciding factor in the game of having that snap not just hit him in the chest every time. Um, where where there's a lot of plays out there that that could have been made if if it was just a you know easy snap to catch for. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's a really good point. I, th- I think uh, it's a testament. I think, like, th- this is a really good lesson for a lot of young kids to to learn that, you know, things aren't going to go perfectly throughout the game, especially when you're playing a really good team. Chances are things are going to gonna go south. And it's, it's about the level of preparation and commitment and faith in the preparation and faith in the, the, the how, how, um, hard you practice and how the the camaraderie between the teammates right after the game all of all of the Michigan players the coaches everybody was talking about how how tightly knit that whole team was and without that without that camaraderie they're not going to be able to overcome those mistakes early on in the game a team like Alabama is going to run right through a team who has not built that team that team aspect, that team relationship, that camaraderie, the trust between one another. And so that's, it's, it's such a crucial part of the, of the puzzle, like to be able to overcome adversity like that, you gotta have that, the, the, the strong, the tightly knit group of guys that are, you know, even though people make mistakes so that there's a, one of the last plays of the game, Michigan's driving to score, I think to tie it up. And there was a big run one of the main receivers blocks a guy in the back. And so they get a penalty, it goes back, and then they eventually, you know, make up for it. And he eventually scores a touchdown to tie it up, to to, to potentially tie it up after the, the field goal. You know, you can't let that – I was talking to – I talked to one of my clients today, right? You can't let one dropped ball, one mistake completely derail you. You have to, you have, to have a little bit of short-term memory loss where you've you, you know you can do it you've done it before in practice you've you I mean Michigan they're an undefeated team they've they've battled through adversity you know you can do it you can't let one mistake completely derail you you got to trust in your preparation trust in your teammates and just keep grinding keep fighting through and 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 doing your job and the rest will take care of itself you're you're going to have another opportunity to yeah. to to make the play so I, speaking of adversity, I had a follow-up question. Do you think what, what Michigan had to deal with this year where Harbaugh was suspended the first three games of the year, they go through the whole season with the sign-stealing scandal where, oh, this team's not actually very good. They've just been stealing signs. Harbaugh gets suspended last three games of the season. It's kind of turned into like that motto that they've been talking about, Michigan versus everybody. Do you think that played a role in being able to – have what happened to them in the first half and say, you know what? It's us. Like, we can't worry about what happened. It's it's all about us within this locker room, and we're good enough to go out there and win this game. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that has a tremendous uh, influence on their camaraderie. Like, during those times, who are you going to rely on? You're not going to rely on anybody outside the team, you know, obviously because everybody's attacking. I mean, I don't think anybody outside of the NCAA was really against Michigan, so it was really – Michigan against the NCAA. Like, no one really blamed. <laughs> Did anybody blame them for stealing signs? Everybody freaking – everybody steals signs, you know? So, yeah. like, it's such a stupid offense. And the NCAA is just throwing fuel to the fire, you know? Like, they, that's just 
that that's going to make them stronger as a team because you're going through you know yeah. uh, not self imposed but you know external just meaningless adversity that made a huge impact on their ability to stick together as a team uh and so that played that played a huge role so yeah i, I thought that was I, f- I forgot honestly that he was suspended for the first three games of the year oh my god that was like all that get what up was- and first take and all it was for him buying a hamburger for a recruit improper benefits bro that's so petty it's so petty like they just have a target on jim harbaugh's back it seems like and Somehow during COVID, they found out that he paid for a hamburger for a recruit in his family and suspended him. Well, Michigan's self-imposed, but the fact that that's even an issue is beyond laughable. Uh, okay, so do you think, I think, we asked you this last night, but do you think, you know, after this season, what do you think Harbaugh does? And, okay, so let's, let's talk about this. Well, I was going to ask you, like, do you think Michigan takes it all? But we haven't even talked about Washington, Texas yet. Do you want you want to talk about Washington, Texas, and then we can kind of loop it back to whether Harbaugh is going to take it to the NFL? Yeah, I think that would be a good follow up of if Michigan does what they could do. I could see Harbaugh jumping ship because his whole goal was to get Michigan back to the promised land, basically, and he has. Yeah, and they've been to, and now, they've been to the playoff numerous times, numerous years in a row. Such a competitive person, like his brother won a Super Bowl, so. Now he has to go win a Super Bowl. In his mind, he has to do that. Like I feel like I feel like anybody in the coaching world nowadays, if you have the opportunity to be in the NFL compared to the college football, that's that's the place where you'd rather be. I agree. Well, I mean, with all you have to recruit 24-7, 365. Yeah. <laughs> like your players are getting targeted at every point in the season. Like nobody's yeah. safe. So we were talking about, do we want to talk about Michigan or Texas and Washington first and then loop that back around into Harbaugh's decision? We're talking about how uh, you'd rather be in the NFL nowadays because you're recruiting 24-7. I thought we were just just spitballing there about like what we would talk about if Harbaugh jumped ship. No. Well, I mean, kind of, but like we we were answering the question. That is true. So let's go. Let's just go to Washington, Texas. Let's All right, so six. I want to ask this question. Washington, Texas, coming from a former Texas super fan. Oh, back in like fourth grade. <laughs> it doesn't matter. He used to wear all the Texas gear. Longhorn this, Longhorn that. He came from Texas, so I don't I don't fault you. We're but Texas boy. Well, I'm a Texan. What can I say? As a super fan, what were your thoughts on that game? Everything's bigger in Texas. Everything's better in Texas. Um <laughs> I mean, I watched the first half because it was late. You know, I my bedtime is about eight thirty, so it was it was encroaching my bedtime, and so watched the first half. It was a good game. I mean, I th- I thought Washington like their offense is unbelievable. Michael Penix is a baller, dude. He one of some of those throws were absolutely incredible over defenders, threading the needle in the end zone like. Literally, the window was this small, and he hits it right on the money. That's the first game I've watched of Washington all season, and he, like, he, I mean, exceeded any expectation I had, which I didn't have any expectation, but he killed it. He crushed it. Um, The Washington, it was cool to see them ball out. I mean, Texas, I I didn't watch the second half, so it it seemed like it was a pretty good game up until the end, but it was they they had the work cut out for them because that offense was incredible. It's, I think it's going to be a really interesting matchup because, you know, Michigan's defense against Washington's 
you know, offense, like that's going to be incredible. You got Michigan's offense against a, a really good Washington defense. I mean, it's going to be a, it's going to be one of the, you know, one of the best national championship games that, you know, I, I can think of. What do you, what do you think about it? What do you think about uh, what happened? I think how could an NFL scout watch that game and not have Michael Penix at the top of their draft board for the number one overall pick? He was that. Wow, that's a great take. That's a great he was that impressive to me. I mean, yeah. the way he's an NFL quarterback playing college football. That's how I looked at it right there. Where obviously it's his sixth year in college. So, you know, he is an older guy who's seen everything that a college defense could possibly throw at him. But the way he's able to throw the deep ball and then his intermediate and sh uh, short passing accuracy is also unbelievable to watch. And his pocket presence. It's not like he had a clean pocket with five seconds to throw every play. There was guys running at him. He'd move to the side, evade the rush, and then keep his eyes downfield and just drop a seed. Like you said, that Michigan-Washington game is going to be – I'm excited for Monday night because I think a guy of Penix's level – um, can take on a defense like Michigan. And then they got the guys on the outside for Washington who are all first – they got three first-round draft picks who are mm. catching the ball from a first round from, I think, the best quarterback in college football right now. So I'll mm. be interested to see how Michigan matches up if they're able to play man and kind of bring an extra blitzer to, to maybe fluster Michael a little bit. But if he's able to sit back there and, and you know, pick apart the defense like he was a little bit – um, able to do against Texas, I don't see how you go against Washington with that high-powered offense where they could be down 21, but they're not out of it. Uh, his deep ball accuracy, his his playmaking ability, um, and then it, honestly, even that defense. I mean, Texas is a high-powered offense, and, and the fact that they were able to bow up there at the end and, and make three consecutive stops to, you know, win the game for them um, shows that they got some playmakers too. So, I'm I'm excited about Monday night, but w for the Texas Washington game specifically, I didn't feel like Texas ever got in a rhythm. Where if you're watching the game, the fact that they had a chance to win the game, it was kind of mind blowing to me. It seemed like Washington should have been up 21 plus, but um, you know credit to Texas for just kind of fighting and believing and scratching clawing the way to give themselves yeah. a chance at the end of the game to possibly win the game. Just came up you know a little bit short, so. Again, another all-time classic of a of a college football game. I mean, that one was right up there with the with the game earlier. So, um, as a college football fan, yeah. that was the greatest night of my entire life. And that's why that's I love that. Love that for you. Great life ahead of you, buddy. I love it. I could sit you there all day long the and watch football. I mean, December thirty first. I literally sat on the You're couch. Back, and you got married, you know you, you know. <laughs> and I watched college football. In college football is number one. Well, talk, dude, talk about adversity. Penix has been through four injuries. Whoa, whoa! I said as a college football fan, not as a person. <laughs> Come on, now. as a college football fan. As a college football fan, yeah, one of the best go. nights of your life, and as a person, so yeah, I, I yeah. understand. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but talk about adversity. So Penix has been through four different injuries, like season-ending injuries, two of which have been ACLs. He started, I don't know where he started, but he went. To, he was at Indiana, and then came went to Washington and followed his head coach there. 
Is that correct? So he, he started at Indiana, was basically a four-year starter for him. Started as a true freshman, had a good freshman year, and then that got cut short by an ACL injury. Um, yeah. Played his neck, came back, was playing well, same ACL, out, sophomore year. I want to say his junior year, he either was still injured recovering or whatever it may be, but then the next year that he was able to play, he dislocated his throwing shoulder out after like four or five games. So it was like a four-year span, and he was in Indiana. And from what I saw on game day and stuff, he was thinking about quitting football altogether. Um, Where when you have three of those significant injuries, he was, you know, he was about as low as low could be. And then, you know, at that four-year, I think he graduated, and this might have been before the NIL and transfer portal, but his OC or head coach, not head coach because he was under Tom Allen, but maybe his OC or QB coach, went to uh, Washington as the OC um, and he was able to, you know, have a new scenery, new change of change of scenery. Um, and then the past two years, what he's been able to do has been, I mean, some of the best college football quarterbacking of all time. He's known for 4,000 plus yards, 30 plus TDs the past two years. Um, and now has his team in a shot of winning the national championship where four years ago or two years ago now, he could have called it quits and said, you know what, I'm done. You know, I, I, I gave my all, I, my body's just not working out for me. But he said, you know, I still got something left in the tank and battled through, you know, those ACL injuries and that shoulder injury, those are six to nine months of rehab. It's not like he's icing mm-hmm. it up and being able to go out there. He is in the training facility at 6 a.m. until 5 p.m. every day. That's a full-time job to come back from those injuries. Um yeah, so, you're you're retraining those muscles to to activate, to push through all the scar tissue that builds up. Like it is it is a severe rehab program to get to get back from that. And so that that adversity that hit, that that he's been through, those four years changing programs, you know, taking Washington to a to a you know, a Sugar Bowl win and going to the national championship. Dude, like going on into the NFL, I I mean, you're thinking like he should be one of the top quarterbacks picked. I I, I think he should be the top one picked because, yeah, he, he's an older guy, but he's been through it. He's already been through it. He's been tested numerous times, right? And I think I think the sky is the limit for him. And you, you see a lot of quarterbacks, like you look at D- Dak Prescott right now. He's having his best year in the NFL. It's his eighth year. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time to get settled in, right? Sometimes – a lot of times, probably most of the time, you're not going to be your best player the first year you play, maybe not even the second year. It's going to take some time to get used to the system, to get used to the offensive coordinator, maybe get used to the speed of the game, especially in the NFL, right? And you want someone like Penix or, um, you know, like guys that have been through adversity, already battled through adversity because they've already had, they've already been tested and they've already built those kind of that mechanism, that psychological mechanism that kind of, you know, they, they have the skill set to be able to push through when things get tough and things are going to get tough and it's only going to get tougher the the further you get into the NFL. So if I was an NFL team, I'd be looking at him saying, I need this guy because he he's not only got the physical skills, he's also got the psychological traits and leadership skills. Everybody, I mean, they were saying he called up a team meeting, a, a player only meeting before the night before the game. Everybody got in there. He, I mean, I don't know what nobody knows what was said except, except for the players. 
But all the players are talking about how they love the quarterback. They love his leadership. They would fight for him. They would, they would do anything for him, right? They all, every single one of them thinks that he should have won the Heisman. He's not, a, he's not a selfish person, obviously. Otherwise, he wouldn't have so much backing from, the, from his teammates, right? So he's a leader. He's a person that, that everybody wants to play around, and he makes his teammates better. That team is playing really well right now, and it's because of guys like him that kind of bring the whole team together. Same with Michigan, right? You got, you got guys that are leaders like Shane, like Blake Corum, like J.J. McCarthy. Like maybe he doesn't have all the, the physical traits, but he's got the – he supports his teammates. He loves his teammates. He'll do anything for his teammates, and that his teammates will do anything for him. Right. And when you have that kind of camaraderie, I mean, you're going to be you're going to be unstoppable. Yeah. So it's going to be an incredible game. And I, I can't wait to see just overall, like what like looking forward into the future, like what Phoenix is going to be to be able to do in the NFL. Because yeah. I, I think he's going to be he's going to be solid. Well, I think he's a winner. If I'm an NFL team, you want to win now and you're quarterback deficient currently. That guy's going to get you. He's proven it. He went to Washington. They been 26 and two the past two years that he's been the starter for him. Um, so all he does is win. And he's a guy who's a plug and play. Um, all we so do I, is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind. I can never get, get enough. What? I'm sorry. I, I Sometimes it just comes out of me. I can't, I can't hold back. I, I got nothing. Um, <laughs> team wise. <laughs> Anyways, you know you know why those two teams are playing in the national championship. The post game news. They got dogs. The, well, one they got some of the best athletes in the nation. Don't get me wrong. But two, how together both those teams are. I've never seen anything like it. Where there was not one guy who got interviewed, whether he had three touchdown catches, threw for four hundred thirty yards. It wasn't about him. It was about us. So yeah, here look at, Michigan look at the on team. the. Here in Michigan yeah. on the podium was like they just take after Jim Harbaugh, where he doesn't want to talk. He wants his players to shine and talk. Yeah, he was I, like, I he was know. like, talk to this guy, talk to this guy. I don't know. If that's he was like, what, what was? Who's got? What did he say us? to the crowd? Who's got it better than us? Nobody. Yeah, and then he just walks off. He's like, yeah. I don't, I don't want to talk. He's, to you. <laughs> yeah, he, all he wants to do is coach football. He doesn't want. He's, he all he cares about is his team and coaching football. So. Hearing those guys as, you know, 20, 18 to 23 year olds talking like that and how together they are as a former player. I mean, that's like, that's unreal of how close knit those locker rooms are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. So prediction, what do you think? Washington, Michigan, what, who, where are they playing? Playing in Houston, Monday night, Houston, NRG stadium. Ooh, we played there. Texas Bulls. Picked Texas. Played there in a Patriot Patriot preseason game. It's a great spot. It's a it's a great stadium. It's a good area. Um, prediction. I have no freaking clue. I'm gonna go Michigan. Not in a barn burner. I think Michigan's defense is legit, and they're gonna be able to stop Washington's run attack. The X factor is gonna be can their DBs hold up against Michigan's passing attack? Where. Michigan does have a corner who's bona fide first round draft pick. I think, I mean, they put him on an island all against Alabama and he was locking dudes up. Um, really? So if he can match up with uh, Oduzier or whatever the uh, guy from Washington wide receiver's name is, 
Um, I think Michigan is going to be able to run the ball against Washington, maybe control the clock and kind of make it a 28-24 type ball game. But um, I'd be I'd be very, very surprised if it's one way or the other of a 45-7 or a 38-3 type game. Um, I think it's going to be an all-time classic. But I'm going Michigan. And I think you're right. Um, I I truly just hope both teams have fun. I think I hope I don't want to see any winners. I want to see both teams supporting one another and and just having fun out there. And I don't I don't care who wins, you know. And so that's my that's no. I'm uh let's go. I, I'm going Washington. I think Washington takes it. After what I saw against uh, with with Michael Penix, I think you know he is. He he's he's just amazing, and so I, I just I think that he's gonna he's gonna be able to do some things against Michigan that they might not be ready for, and that defense is gonna hold up against Michigan's offense. Um, I'm probably gonna be super wrong on that on that uh, prediction, but I'm going with it, and I believe in Penix. I believe I like that coach too, um, and so it's gonna be fun. I can't wait to watch it. You don't want to talk so, about a winner. That coach is a winner. He won like three NAI. He started at ground zero and worked his way up to coaching yeah. the national championship game. I mean, he it's not like yeah. he was on third base. And probably, I bet you his first head coaching job, he was probably making $25,000 a year and just mm. has won every single place he's been at. So two great coaches, two great teams. I'm, I'm excited. I'll have my popcorn ready. You know, just can't wait. Do you butter? Do you butter your popcorn? Like, what kind of popcorn are we talking? Are you well, a kettle corn guy? Since I need to lose twenty five pounds, uh, I'm probably gonna go the skinny pop. Skinny pop. Oof. What if Michigan wins? Last question. Do you think Jim Harbaugh stays at Michigan or heads to the NFL? Oh, he's out. I think he's out. Probably regardless, but def- if they win, he's out. He's accomplished what he needed to in the. NCAA or uh, in in college ranks, and now he's on to the NFL. I don't think I don't think anybody that I think we said this earlier, but anybody that can be in the NFL wants to be in the NFL, and they definitely don't want to be in college football nowadays. I think the landscape is changing too much, and it's not about football anymore. It's about it's just I don't I don't know what it's about. It's not about go. I mean, we didn't, we didn't even talk about this, but Georgia FSU, right? Two different two different cultures. Georgia had had all their players come back and play in the bowl game. And they destroyed absolute whomping of FSU. Florida State was complaining and whining, and they were they they uh, they felt sorry for themselves that they weren't they, they didn't get that spot in the uh, in the college football playoff. I think they would have been trounced if they if they uh, were put in the, the playoff. And Vegas would have thought thought that too. Like they, they I think they had like a double digit diff like point Spread. difference. Yeah. in the, in the betting. Yeah, I agree. Um, just like you said, different cultures. It's just I mean, different culture. Like yeah. Georgia, Georgia, you know, you, you come there to play football, right? We're here to support the team. Uh, Kirby is investing money, NIL money, and re- retaining his players. You know, and if there are other guys that want to come to Georgia that can help their team, he's, he's obviously going to do that. But he's spending more, and obviously he can do that because his players are the best in the country. Yeah. At the same time, He's keeping the players that come there to, to to play, and he's developing them, and he's he's he created you know a monster. And I think if Georgia goes in the playoff, which this is probably not going to happen next year, 
Georgia goes in the playoff, they I think they make a deep run, if not win the national championship. You just never know. And so I, it's a difference in culture, right? If you're a team that spends money investing in in transfer portal, portal guys and they're, they're guys that have zero investment in the team, in the program, they're not going to play for you in the bowl game and you're going to get beat 63 to whatever it was. That's just an embarrassment. That's an embarrassment for college football. It's an embarrassment for, you know, the program. I feel so I, I feel bad for Coach Norvell and, you know, those players not, you know, not playing in that bowl game because a bowl game is a chance for you to represent your program. And, and nobody did that. Nobody, you know, so I don't, I don't kind of a tangent there. But um, what do you think? I think you said it all. Georgia getting guys as freshmen and staying within the program instead of these rent-a-players. If I am projected to be a top three round draft pick and I'm not in the playoff and, you know, I'm there at a school because they paid me the most and, you know, I've already proven it on the field for the first 12 games. Why would I want to play one more time with that school name across my chest? I mean, that that would be my mindset, I guess. Obviously, if I was in that situation, I was projected to be a high draft pick. I'm I'm worried about me, right? I want to go get my money. This school, it was a great nine months, but I don't really care, right? It's yeah, not like it's just it's not like they've been in that the program. NFL. They've been with that same coach for four years. Where you see those Georgia guys who've been in that program for three, four years, they are projected first round draft picks, but they still want to wear that G on their helmet one last time because it means so much to them. Where they did come back and make a statement in that bowl game where mm -hmm. I think that's the difference. Now, if Florida State did make the playoff, obviously all those guys who opted out and transferred or whatever it may be would have still been on the team. Maybe it would have made a difference. I don't think so. I think uh, obviously the four best teams were were in the playoff and they showed it. And then Georgia kind of, you know, made, made sure that there was no questions that needed to be asked after that game of, of who the best teams yeah. in the country were. Oh, yeah. They made a statement. They made a statement. They were pissed, and they showed it. So I think it's a reflection of how college football is. It's not about football anymore. It's about, you know, how much money you can make. It's not. It's it's about the money and not the the actual sport, which I hate. I absolutely hate it. I think it's it's yeah. ruining college football. They gotta they gotta redo the transfer portal window um, before the bowl game. That's why you see so many opt outs. Is you get a fourteen day span to enter the transfer portal. So the season ends. You get two weeks. Well, the bowl games don't start until three weeks after the season ends. So if you're a guy who's a backup or whatever it may be and you want to stay for the bowl game and you don't enter that transfer portal, but then the next transfer portal window isn't until I think in two weeks from now, January 14th after the NCAA or the national championship game. Well, now you enter the portal at a later window. Well, maybe your spot's taken up from teams who enter, who took guys in that first window. So it's kind of a tough spot as a player, in my mind, if you are wanting to leave and get greener pastures, where you kind of have to take advantage of that early window to have more opportunities at additional places that would take a shot at you versus waiting, teams taking these three linebackers in that first window. Well, if I'm a linebacker, I'm entering into the second window. Well, 90% of teams already got their depth in that first window and high school recruiting. So now you're kind of in limbo of like, all right, am I going to stay D1? Am I going FCS? Like, what do I do? So I think it makes it tough on the players, coaches, fans, everyone, teams, whoever is the regulating body of that needs to come up with a framework that makes sense. Because right now, nothing makes sense in college football. Nothing. So we'll see. We'll see.
We'll see what happens. But anyways, okay, so we got you have you have Michigan winning next week, and I have Washington. We'll see what happens. It should be interesting. College football is coming to an end. It's so sad. Oh, I hate it. We got NFL playoffs, which I know you're not. NFL playoffs. <laughs> we'll talk about that on a later date. So, um, all right, this is good. Thank you guys for your support and for your feedback. Give us some feedback on Instagram, Twitter, anywhere that you find this podcast, and we appreciate. We appreciate y'all. It's been fun. Um, We'll talk to you soon. Next week, episode coming in hot. Appreciate you. Peace.